0: Hey, welcome to your weekly bonus TF to all of our wonderful Patreon subscribers. Hello. Uh, it's an all Skype episode today. Uh, I am Riley in the studio uh, joining us from sunny California is Milo Edwards. It's me. Good morning from uh, the land of the lips. Uh, from afternoon in New York, uh, in the Twin Peaks town, it's Hussein Kesvani.
1: Hello, it's me. Uh, from the weird town where a deer is just staring at me. Awesome, not doing awesome. Anything. It's kind and of weird. the
0: men who stare at deer. <laughs> and from- the men who stare at deer. And from his flat in South London because his lazy ass couldn't come up to the studio, it's Nate. Stop shaming me,
2: Riley. You know what I was doing all day? I was in deep in the pocket of Big Wife cooking <laughs> meals, you know,
0: earning my keep. You don't know what it's like. I don't know. Uh, look, I've never been asked to leave the house by my wife's boyfriend. <laughs> See, that's just for Hussein. Like, this episode is just for the subscribers, but that's just for Hussein. Hussain.
1: Yeah, it's very difficult, but like I just want to say on the show that like I'm living in a tent outside my wife's house right now. Her boyfriend is this is why I'm all the way in New York because my wife moved that moves here with her with her rich banker boyfriend. Um, and I'm living in a tent. And she said that I can come back once I get one K Insta followers. So, So, and I need to get and I need to get it by 2019. So hit that hit that follow button guys
0: guys smash Smash you can, that follow
1: you can slide
0: into his dms you know apparently like all the girls who listen to the show think hussein's the cutest so maybe you're going to want to give him a follow maybe you can finally distract him from that evil wife of his i couldn't see riley's face as he saw that but i know that it was
3: truly a look of hello darkness my old friend
1: <laughs> all all, wi- all wives are evil
2: yeah, every, every
3: single... That's my
1: favorite. All wives are evil. I mean, but some wives kind of are more the...
2: evil than others. George Orwell,
0: 1984. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was going to say, that's basically a business joker meme waiting to
2: happen. No, that's a Judd Apatow
0: <laughs> movie. It's the premise of every Judd Apatow movie.
2: But anyway, talking about how wives are all evil or at least in your experience, why don't we talk about Toby Young who no, I'm sure has a not great be marriage segued, Nate.
0: You will not segway me. We are still go- we're going to continue the pre-show sir, banter sir, until such I refuse time. to be segwayed. <laughs> this do is not, a credo I've learned from the men and women of the United States Marine Corps. <laughs> sir, do not attempt to tactically segway me. Um, but okay, fine, yes, I'll be segwayed. Um, so this is this is the Q&A episode. We've heard your cues, we've come up with some A's. Um, but before we get into that, we've decided that we, we had to, we just had to read uh, Toby Young's latest, um, latest bit of like, I think he thinks the spectators is diary, uh, his latest diary entry in the spectator, because it's really, really, really powerful stuff. Um, but before mm-hmm. we even get into that, Moving. I want to say this is the tweet. This is he tweeted the article out. Here is the tweet that he paired the article with. Like a fine wine, these go together. Uh, Like a fine wine with food, perhaps. Um, The tweet begins. This, that is the following, is the real story of journalists in 2018. Not fighting the power, as Time Magazine would have it, but using their power to muster other journalists in a frenzy of moral righteousness. Let's hope they turn their attention to real injustices in 2019. Hashtag, we have been publicly shamed. When will the journalists refrain
3: from infighting and pursue what's truly important, all seven Dragon Balls?
0: <laughs> this, is, this, this, is, this is the ultimate Toby Young article. Because I've said this before. This is the, um, the grand unified theory of insane right-wing columnists, right? Is that Brendan O'Neill is basically an algorithm that just hates anything that's good. Um, Rod Little is just basically trying to piss everyone off. And Toby Young is completely solipsistic. He can't conceive of a world outside of Toby Young. And so the fact that he was like appointed to a fake job as the, uh, minis- as the head of the office for students earlier this year, and then kicked out for being a colossal douchebag, he believes that is the single most important event of the last year. His brain is incredibly powerful.
2: Riley, in this epistemology, um,
0: where would Tacky factor in? Uh, he's a Nazi are you guys still I was gonna there? say, I,
2: I, I, I thought Taki literally would be like, no, he was like the algorithm that got too powerful, like, it, 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 he achieved sentience, and like, <laughs> wow, you, you've made really racist AI, even more than normal AI, like, and it writes
0: columns every week. You know what it is, he's the architect from the Matrix, uh, but the architect from the Matrix, who is also Albert Speer. <laughs> that, that's Taki. <laughs> that's, one, that's one for my real Reich heads, uh, over there. Anyway, shall we get into uh, the... The ...of Toby Young. The, the real Reich Day ones. All right. All right everybody. I'm looking at you. So uh, the article begins. This used to be the busiest time of year for me. If you do anything in public life, even something minor like running a free schools charity. Hmm, I wonder where he came up with that one. Um, you get asked to do a lot of things at Christmas. I used to speak at Christmas parties, give after dinner speeches. I even opened fairs. But this year, nothing. Not a single invitation. Following my defenestration yeah. from public life, I lost five positions, including my full-time job, and I've been surgically removed from every VIP list. No Christmas cards either. It's quite <laughs> impressive in a way. I always assumed <laughs> that no one on ever clinging checks these on things. on so hard to the VIP list, he has to be surgically removed. <laughs> Some of these cards I used to get were redirected from an address I haven't lived at for 20 years, but evidently someone checks, or word comes down from on high. Such are the costs of being targeted by a Twitter outrage mob.
1: So you, could say, you could say that he, he, he's very good at losing friends and alienating
0: people. Mm. This, that, that, that was literally the title of the article. That. No, you we would never that. give him that much what, credit.
1: Was that the title of the article? Sorry, I haven't even read it.
0: Sorry. <laughs> the effort we put in for our paying subscribers. Uh, <laughs> yes, it was, uh, it, was, it was a play on how to lose friends and alienate people. Um, but this, this is this is Toby Toby Young's great crusade. This is the most important things journalists have done this year. Um, is besides besides being forbidden from saying the N word, yeah, which bes- is the worst thing that's ever happened in human history. <laughs> besides besides getting like you know um turned turned into like a fine mince in the in the Saudi consulate in Turkey. Besides that, uh, yeah, it's the most important thing journalists have done this year. Um, what, I, what I love is is that he talks about that such are the costs of being targeted by a Twitter outrage mob as though this is a single group of people with a leader.
2: Also, just f- as a refresher, because some people may not be, you know, full-on injecting Toby Young
0: into their veins, uh,
2: what was what was the thing, besides oh, just being yeah. a dumbass, like, what was the thing that he did that got him well, um, persona non grata was, status? Well, he
0: was... All, well, a brief backgrounder on Toby Young, for those of you who don't know, is he... Um, his dad wrote a book called Meritocracy, which was like a satire of meritocracy. Um, and uh, then Toby Young proceeded to apply to Oxford, get in on a clerical error—literally um, true—lobby uh, to then have his admission honored. Uh, where he then wrote a book talking about how all the working class uh, kids at Oxford looked sort of brutally, horribly deformed, um, and then steadily failed upwards while founding a series of um, now defunct magazines that really never had a readership outside of West London and before eventually be, um, becoming the head of the Office for Students, uh, which was the quasi-autonomous, gov- quasi, non- quasi um, autonomous non-governmental organization that was designed to monitor the now fee-charging universities and make sure students got value for money. Of course, he was also famous for creating the Free Schools Initiative, which, if you don't know what that is, basically is a way to take public schools into semi-private ownership and turn them into more or less uh, like uh, the, the, like... Uh, discipline factories, uh, and to basically make education worse for, uh, kids who are more disadvantaged. Toby Young has been an overall negative influence on British life and it would be better if he had never existed at all. Does that- Roddy? where else is and the he discipline ki- going to get made if not in the factories? <laughs> well, he, he got kicked out of public life because, and when he was made the head of the office for students, people quite rightly brought up all of the, his odious opinions about like the natural inferiority of working class people- and his um, literal proponency of eugenics in Quillette to say, maybe this guy shouldn't have an office. And so he was like, ah, you, you're all too sensitive and you're completely uh, outraged at me. Again, also like making comments about the, the breasts of like, an, an underage girl that he was looking at uh, in a Question Time audience, I believe. He's a very cool guy. All of this is just so fucking British, it hurts. I swear <laughs> to God. <laughs> it's, it's, very, it's very cool, he's, he's, he's awesome. Anyway, so he says, basically, no one's, in, no one's inviting him to the important Christmas parties anymore uh, because all of this happened. And he's, he's basically saying that this is, that Twitter has gotten outraged. Someone is, and that clearly the only way so many people could be mad at him is if one central authority is directing a lot of people to tweet at him, like Yobi Tongue and other similar things.
3: Um, I've said this
0: before, and I'll say
3: it again, that Toby Young is the only only person who, when people go to get quotes from his friends about him when he's involved in the next inevitable scandal, those friends go on the record purely to clarify
0: that they're not friends with Toby Young. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll carry on. I quite enjoyed being made a fuss of, and I quite liked it when people praise me for things I've done in education, again, such as lead the catastrophic free schools initiative. But most of these duties actually just involve sitting in an uncomfortable chair, sometimes with a lukewarm glass of Sauvignon Blanc in front of me, and watching a performance or listening to some kind of speech. So I'll throw that. Listening to,
3: you
2: guys. to some kind of
3: speech. Any any speech doesn't really matter who's.
1: <laughs> <Like, laughs> what? <Well, I, laughs>
3: Hitler, whatever.
1: Whom's among us has not has not just stumbled upon a, on a speech about uh, measuring skulls and eugenics when we're just taking our kids out to the park? While we while, while, while we while we peer through the window of our ex-wives and their new boyfriends.
2: <laughs> I, I also am laughing at the idea that, I mean, we, we're not necessarily um, model workers on this podcast, but if any one of us stumbled into a job getting paid Toby Young figures to just sit and drink wine, I don't think we would write whinging articles about it afterwards. Like, I'd be sad if I lost a fucking sweet job, but I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't yeah. be like, oh, wow, this wine was lukewarm. It's like, bitch... What are you talking
1: about? Toby Young's is sad because if he was going to be heading the office of students and he would have so many fresh young skulls to measure and that opportunity (laughs) was taken away from him by, by, by the SJWs who, who believe that, who believe that skull diameters aren't, you know, they aren't useful science. And in many Uh, cases, that (laughs) in many cases that's the same as being an anti-vaxxer.
3: I've now got another Toby Young diary entry crystallizing in my head. Like, It was a crisp winter's Tuesday evening. I was sat alone at home, as is my wont, due to my rejection by the SJW Twitter mob, and as I enjoyed a glass of claret in my armchair, whilst I was listening to the speech from Independence Day, one of the finest speeches ever recorded, I was interrupted by my brother, Clemens, who came into the room to deliver me a telegram, inviting me to a most wonderful, glittering media party. I was overjoyed, but I read to the end of the invitation, and alas, it was meant for Heston Blumenthal. Foiled again.
1: (laughs) He is is dark Heston. It sounds like British (laughs) (laughs) Neo-Yokio. That's the thing,
0: I think that's actually quite an apt comparison because essentially Toby, much like in, in Neo Yokio where they're essentially trying to assemble scores to get high on the bachelor board, um, Toby Young has clearly just seen any kind of, um, of public engagement just nakedly as a way to get invited to stuff and for people to pay attention to him. Like it's, it is, it is, it's, it's not even mercenary because it's so relentlessly inept. But I guess the thing for me that's so striking
2: about this is that, I mean, okay, Rod Little, these other guys, like, they'll they'll write their columns about, like, I've been shamed by the Twitter mob. But then, invariably, it turns around and becomes, like, but why is it so wrong to want to snort coke off the tits of an underage girl in the Philippines? Like, basically, it's defending their behavior, but it's not crying about... Well, I mean, <laughs> if, if, as long as you're as long as you're 15 miles away from the beach, you're actually in international waters, and then no, it's not wrong. But <laughs> me and Duterte the, the, kicking the, back. Oh, just fucking Got that? Got that speedboat for multiple reasons. Yeah, I mean, the, but the point being that, like, him turning it around and making this article about how sad he is—that seems like a little bit of a departure because. Uh, in a way, every time we see this article written by other British conservative writers, invariably it's more like, "Well, actually, I'm the one who's owned you." Because guess what? I never have to put trousers on ever again. Suck it, libs. Whereas in this case, he's clearly upset, uh, but also it's the SJW's fault.
0: Well, it's, uh, it's Toby it's, Young. Uh, he's
3: becoming a sad boy. He's popping zans. He's going to rebrand as Young Toby and become a SoundCloud rapper.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, in fact, uh, he he creates he creates the image of this. um Uh, of this kind of uh, getting invited to things, Milia even more with the next paragraph. He says, "'And at one of these events, God forbid you should get your phone out and check your emails. Then you're one of those snooty, elitist, too-cool-for-school types. If you do, even if you've been sitting there with a rictus grin on your face for 90 minutes, some wag will lean over and say, "'Boring you, are we?' Well, yes, of course you are. This is my third junior nativity play in a week.' And I'm sorry if that's your kid up there in the gold Lamai Star costume, but I don't think he's about to win an Olivier award.
1: What is wrong with this guy? Like, I like I I don't I don't really know what to say because you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of like it reminds me, it reminds me of um both kids in school who like they want to be invited to parties just so that they can say no or just so that they can go to those parties and say how much it sucks. And then they wonder why no one invites them to stuff, right? Is this based on personal experience? Maybe. Who can say? Um, <laughs> but, you know, but yeah, but you know what I mean? Like, he's kind of... He's, he, he Either he's writing this column because, like, he literally has nothing else to say. Or if he's genuine, if he's being, like, genuine about this, then what, it, what he's really lamenting is the fact that, like, he is no longer part of like whatever he would kind of consider to be you know this you know north london elite and stuff right which is why he you know in theory he never you know he, he said that he never really wanted to be about anyway. i just don't understand i don't understand like what he's actually trying to do
2: i i i feel like the weird thing about this is the conservative establishment in britain and its colonists are able to give you every single facet of how a man deals with divorce and in this case, it's a different kind of divorce, but it's still definitely divorce because <laughs> in this case, he's like, "Well, now uh, that now that now that we're no longer together, I can tell you, actually, your kids are talentless and their nativity play sucked. And you know what? Like, you, you you actually you're the lame one for being proud of your kids because if you were an alpha like me, you would just not have
0: kids because you you realize oh, yeah. that's kids, that." that Oh, damn it. There goes my joke. Fuck. Sorry. <laughs> but what I think you you're very much onto something here, which is yes, that that is the tone of this article. It's um it is uh actually uh it's I'm lucky you broke up with me. Actually, thank goodness. Thank goodness you fucking left because I realized I did not have sex anyway. Yeah, I realized how cool my new sports car is. Um and that's the great thing. It's this it's this wonderful window into this person's soul where it's like any anything that isn't about him uh is just he has to sit there just with a with a with a paralyzed grin just sort of splitting his face and anytime someone talks to like anytime someone talks to him just his first instinct is just say hey fuck you i mean it's it it means that he has an extraordinarily powerful brain um but it all also like it's he is telling on himself as just being like He's not even conservative. He's just, I think he's an asshole and he chose to be conservative because being conservative is the political wing of being an asshole.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's just like, it seems like a misanthrope. like in the, in, in the purest diagnosis.
3: Oh my God, it's, uh, it's actually 2004 hit, I Don't Want You Back by Eamon. <laughs> he's like, fuck all those kisses. They don't mean shit now. Fuck you, ho, I don't want you back.
0: Fuck all those warm <laughs> he sauvignon blocks. Which means the blocks. British media establishment. <laughs> <laughs> my fallen status he goes on has been vertiginous like the plot of a tom wolf novel but i can say hand on heart what? that it so isn't really, all really bad. racist yes yes also. there's the money or lack of it i've always supplemented my income by doing freelance journalism but it's only now that i'm relying on it entirely and then i realize just how hard it is to make a living from being a hack
1: i thought quillette like makes like, loads of money
0: i'm sure they do uh, and Toby Young is still Toby an associate editor at The Spectator.
1: Does he, just get, does he just get paid
0: in humiliation?
1: Toby Young is getting cucked by Quillette.
0: <laughs> I like Quillette now. <laughs> Quillette's good. They can write all of the skull <laughs> yeah. science pieces they want if they keep cucking Toby Young. But like, what does The Spectator pay him in? Just also, public humiliation upon public humiliation. Is he just a piss pig? <laughs> well, I mean,
3: he also... He just- he sounds like when like, Homer Simpson is trying to sound more intelligent than he is, he's like, oh, yes, I didn't enjoy that book. I found it to be most vertiginous. I'm like, what?
0: Like, who talks like that? Fuck off. Yeah, what kind, of, what kind of plot is vertiginous? I
2: don't understand. I don't even know what vertiginous means. Uh, very high. I think it means like, like, like really high and like dizzyingly high. Yeah. But one of the things that gets me, too, is um, Tom Wolfe novels invariably involve racism and very badly written sex so in a way that is the perfect choice for toby young because i mean a he reveals that he's a fan of tom wolf but b also like nothing could be more apt
0: oh yeah when toby young has sex he definitely acts out a bad sex award sentence like he has definitely said to a woman let me let me put let me put my throbbing manhood into your enameled pepper mill (laughs)
3: yeah that's a real (laughs)
0: sentence that's a real (laughs) sentence from the bad sex awards this year Oh, okay. Well, yeah, they're. they're I, don't, I don't even want to go. Tom Wolf sounds like uh, a sort of a grizzled,
3: semi retired, tier one CIA operator from a bad, like, thriller who has to get called out of semi retirement to, like, go and save Kosovo from the Serbians or something. But
0: definitely still wears a white suit. Uh, it's a challenge that Tom Wolf can't refuse. Uh, when I wrote my first piece for a national newspaper in 85, I was paid three times as much as they get for an article today. But. Uh, poor Caroline, his wife presumably Has had to take a part-time job To keep the wolf from the door If interest rates go up Or if Jeremy Corbyn becomes prime minister And introduces a property tax We'll have to sell the house in Gunnersbury uh, Yeah Oh uh, <laughs> no Oh shit This is just more campaigning for Corbyn On the part of conservatives, realistically Like, it's, are you we, can, we, can, we can make a more equal society And we can also put Toby Young Out of his house? Perfect we're gonna have one homeless person in Britain. <laughs> but also, like, also, think about his what's his what's his complaint at this point? Like, surely, like, you should, that that should be if if you were smart, you'd say, "Well, I get, I got paid more in the past." Clearly, that's because of like declining union participation and like an increasingly casualized media atmosphere. But somehow, he sees a way to just blame a theoretical Jeremy Corbyn premiership. Also,
2: uh, I'm just gonna say, uh, I'm here on um on Zupla right now, looking up housing prices in Gunnersbury. Mm. And let me just read off some of the prices that I'm seeing: a two-bedroom, four hundred twenty-five thousand uh, pounds. He'd seven have a house. Bedroom. He'd have
0: a full house. She's, it's
2: probably these are, are houses. The, these, these are houses. These are houses. I'm reading a seven-bedroom house, two point six million pounds. Uh, a four-bedroom house, nine hundred fifty thousand pounds. Another one, nine hundred fifty thousand pounds. Uh, it's I haven't yet found anything that doesn't seem rich as shit. Oh, four bedroom semi detached house, eighty seven eight hundred and seventy five thousand pounds. So, uh, even a what looks like a very beat up three bedroom terraced home with broken windows is six hundred and seventy thousand yeah. pounds. Yeah. Needless to say, I don't think Toby Young is hurting too bad in the money department. Again, he is. But still you don't understand how much
3: theoretical corbin the is depressing those property values. <laughs> theoretical um, corbin
0: <laughs> i mean it's um the the fact that he's been able to just sort of imagine a imagine a great enemy in a theoretical corbin and just create this kind of great conspiracy that's out to hunt him down for being a, a fearless truth teller is, is is really quite something like he lives in his a fantasy world I also love the idea that Jeremy
2: Corbyn doesn't have anything better to do than just like have a dartboard with him and with Toby Young and Andrew Lillico's face on it, and he's just like, "I'll get you one of these days, you little prats." Like, does any? I mean, these people are so insignificant, but because of this platform, they have like that you get to hear their innermost thoughts, which is they're convinced that uh, that Corbyn's sexy communist hordes are coming to, to 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 pants them for good and kick them off Britain. Well, okay. I just
1: I'm 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 just I'm still trying to work this out, right? Because he's like associate editor of The Spectator. And he's like an associate editor of Quillette, right? And in theory, like he should at his kind of and he he's like getting royalties from like books that he's written and stuff like that. So in theory, like even if his income isn't necessarily like completely stable, like he should not it shouldn't he shouldn't kind of think that he's about to fall on his ass, right? I I just I wonder how much he's like playing, playing this up just to kind of fill up. Are you saying a conservative
0: pundit is playing the victim? No. Hmm,
1: Maybe, maybe. I mean, I know, I know it'd be the first time it would happen because conservatives are famously rational and they love facts over feelings. God,
0: they love them. So, but the upside is that now I've got much more time in my hands. Uh, All those household jobs I've been putting off for years, like cleaning the gutters, done. All those social science classics I've ordered from Amazon, I've read them all. The book proposal I've been meaning to pull together about the deadly embrace of identity politics by the intellectual left? Oh, it's written. Yeah, all my losses was lessons. Actually, I like that I've been completely kicked out of public life. I like that everyone hates me. All all you people wasting all of your time drinking like, you know, uh white wine because you've like actually tried to you like, do something and act in the world. Yeah, fuck you. I've written a book proposal about how the Frankfurt school is coming to try and like, you know, take away Kosovo from the from the Transnestrians or whatever. Actually it's better when that guy fucks my wife. Yeah, exactly. I don't I don't even <laughs> want to
3: fuck my wife. Toby Young's doing great actually. Yesterday he built three model ships in
0: bottles and had a wank over his ex wife at least four times, so it's all good. <laughs> Um and also just all these social science classics what again this is this is just all these social science classics I have ordered on Amazon and then looked at the Wikipedia pages for, so I can try to have an argument with like you know uh woke style <laughs> 420 what, what do you
2: think those what do you think those social science classics are though well, you know I mean my, mein Kampf we've got it <laughs> yeah've got sure. Kampf, maybe yeah. um,
0: maybe something by like uh uh Victor frankel maybe uh, um. It's like, What's well, who's the who's the, the the Italian
2: fascist Julius Evola
0: the one that they um, all love so much? Oh, of course, he's also got like the collected works of Yosemite Sam, presumably. <laughs> you no, know, this is. I was. I was. I. I mean, it, it, I, I will say
2: this. Um, at, at periods in my life, because of either work related stuff or just like kind of being fed up. There have been times when I've like deleted the Twitter app off my phone and just not looked at Twitter for 2 weeks and those have been relatively blissful periods. So I do get where he's coming from, but you could basically say like there's a way to phrase that that's not actually it's good that everybody hates me. I don't need friends anyway. Um and also I I think the thing that really blows my mind is whatever he thinks is going to happen under a supposed Corbin premiership like does he really think that 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 he's going to be like literally destitute and unable to not a have enough money to survive but b Unable to find some position he can write for to bitch and complain about literally everything. Like literally to fucking have how dare you, sir? Every single time there's PMQs because you know that's what's going to happen in this country. If Corbyn is PM, they're going to lose their fucking minds and every single thing is going to be the Profomo affair every single day. They're going to lose, lose it about everything. Like how dare this person have painted fingernails? How dare this person, you know, I don't know, have a rumpled suit? Like everything will be a national betrayal.
0: Yeah. And, and Toby Young is already associate editor of The Spectator. Like, he's got a relatively stable media job. I don't know where he's finding this narr- this victimhood narrative, other than in like the twisted recesses of his brain. Like, of course, he's going to be doing all of that. Like, we don't
1: maybe he's, maybe he's spending too much money on his babe station subscription.
0: Well, also, what's imagine that yeah. if you're like.
2: If you had to get a column and be like, actually, it was good that everybody hates me and I've been ostracized because now I can do the chores around my house and not be a complete shithead to my wife. It's like, <laughs> well, uh, maybe we should ostracize you more often. It might wind up saving your marriage or at least <laughs> make your gutters a lot cleaner. So and, and he, sa- he goes Ta-B-Yong on phoning up Babe Station to angrily complain that he hasn't been invited to this
3: so-called party they keep talking about.
0: <laughs> he keeps calling and calling and calling um, So and then There's my exercise regime One of the unforeseen benefits of finding yourself at the heart Of a national scandal is that you start Shedding the pounds I invested in Various gizmos like a smart scale And ran 10 kilometers three times a week Nine months later I'm back to the weight I was when I was 18 I call it the Public humiliation diet This is, this is quite can... the uh, this is, uh, that, is qu- that is quite the paragraph I think He's essentially. Right, so he can't afford food anymore. <laughs> um, I mean, it's it's really every everyone hates me. So I'm I'm going I'm gonna buy a scale. I'm gonna run quite a bit, and then I'm gonna get that kind of skinny fat that older guys get, where they still have guts, uh, but they sort of look skeletal.
1: Guys, it's called the revenge bod. <laughs> well,
0: I also <laughs> like the idea too that it's like you
2: nothing was stopping you from working out before. But it's like, it's like, have you tried my new diet, be a complete shit and get hounded out of public life?
1: I, I feel like there's, there's, a, there's a market to be one of those Instagram fitness guys who's like, I'm, you know, so, some, some fitness guys will say that you've got to like, you know, do intermittent fasting or you can only like eat grains, but I'm going to give you something better. I'm going cons- to uh, construct a pedophile scandal around you so that you can lose weight.
0: No, this is, I, I can only do the Rocky, I can only run up the Rocky steps if I can get up there and then tell a feminist that the, weight, the gender wage gap isn't real.
2: But I mean, <laughs> he, he's
0: an editor at Quillette, so that's what he does already. Uh, so he goes on, often while I'm exercising, I listen to music, a rediscovered pleasure. As I'm jogging, I put on Beethoven's Ninth and experience a kind of joy. <laughs> Beethoven's Ninth! He just Googled classical music and he's like, ah, yes. Ah, yes, sophistication. I can only, I've only Googled the finest classical music. He's basically listening to the greatest hits and trying to get us to call him a connoisseur. I love the way he says, I experience a kind of joy with that tone of voice that like,
3: he's not really sure exactly what joy is. Like it's not something he's like precisely felt before, but he gets the impression this is sort of what it's like.
0: Is this <laughs> what Joy supposed to feel like? No, he's, what he's doing is he's definitely like, ah, for the real classical music nerds, I'm going to insert a little reference into the title of the song. He's definitely done that. That's what that look,
2: is. Look, I, 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 Riley, I beseech you, given your, your ability to surveil the fanciest people on the planet and critique them, do, do you know of anyone who would be like, e- even if they are an absolute classical music snob, who would be like, you have to listen to classical music while you're exercising? That just seems kind of insane. Like, that seems like, I don't know how to describe that. That's like, the what was the sitcom? The one about high school kids in the early 80s where the kid's like, I'm going to be really sexy. Like, I, I have money to buy clothes for the first time in my life. My parents let me buy my own back-to-school clothes. So instead of buying normal clothes, he buys like a disco suit and he spends all his money on one one outfit oh i know,
1: I know what you're talking about it was a, it was a tv show called freaks yeah, and yeah. geeks
2: freaks and geeks yeah that's it i i, I couldn't remember the title but that's it's, it's, it's sort of like <laughs> i want to show gro- i want to demonstrate growth so how, how do i
0: demonstrate how i'm the bigger man in this
2: situation like i listen to beethoven while i'm running like a normal person
0: yeah this is look i'm gonna say that the 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 music habits of these fancy people you talk about who none of our listeners have any way of knowing how i know uh they're very very regular none of them are say none of them it's I to- think Toby Young thinks that. Uh, it's, yeah, well, if, if I'm a fancy person, I have to wake up and cue up the masterpiece theater soundtrack before I tuck into a breakfast of of you know some some quail's eggs and caviar. Well, I say yes, you know this this is clearly <laughs> what what he believes, um, which is 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 interesting uh, and very telling and very uh, very fun. Uh, mostly, people are just um, listening to terrible music that's not techno, which to me is everything that's not techno. Um, I'll, I'll I'll close it out. Uh, the main benefit of being cast out of public life is I get to spend more time with my family. Maybe it's because they're a bit older now, but my main my main mode of communication with people I love is banter, endless mickey taking. When my kids were five, six, eight, and ten, this didn't always go down so well. I would end up crossing the line, in Caroline's words, and someone would run out of the room in tears. But now there is no line. Every mealtime is a festival of chorusing badinage and boy are they rude to me (laughs) i've never actually eaten car
2: badinage what does it taste like
3: this this, this
2: really is starting to sound like actually it's better when that dude fucks my wife i'm sorry but i
0: mean it's just my 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 kids call me a bald asshole um i used to try to be really mean to them but now they just they do the floss dance and i get really offended at the table but it's just banter we're just a friendly family we're just a friendly normal family i love that everyone hates me i used to
3: dislike it I used to dislike it when that guy fucked my wife, but now I've realized that he does it with such crusading badinage that I can't really be mad. And in fact, it's good.
0: <laughs> yeah. In fact, it, it turns me on to a vertiginous extent.
4: <laughs> uh, this is, this, these, <laughs> are, all the words, penis these are all the words I say
0: while I listen to Beethoven. Yeah, so I, I love, he's, either this is a guy who spent like the first years of his kids' lives just being like, like looking at his, ki- his kid in a diaper like, oh, you're going to wear that to the table? You're a disgrace. <laughs>
2: Well, I love the idea that he's like, uh, I spent my, my, my ch- children's formative years trying to own them with logic and mean jokes, which made them cry. And now they just rolled my eyes and call me doo-doo ass and walk out of the room. And I'm owned. <laughs> I don't know what to make of it. What is this tremendous power that the teens have developed?
0: No, we're friends. We're friends, he's okay? We're all friends. We all love each other. It's coruscating badinage. <laughs> <laughs> he's the darkest timeline, Drill. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's we've, we've solved Toby Young. He's British Drill.
2: <laughs> I thought Phil Greaves was British drill, but I guess they're they are they're gradations of one another. Indeed. My
3: my uh, kids anyway, call me a cock that... and
0: storm
2: out of the room, whatever I say, eating my own turds.
0: <laughs> this is this so this is Toby Young. Merry Christmas from the associate editor at The Spectator who doesn't know how he's gonna make ends meet, apparently. This is gr- this is wonderful. It's that's why I love the way Toby Young writes. He's just he is so he has such a white-knuckled grip on his own view of himself. And he's not able to conceive of a world that exists outside of his own head. I genuinely think he might be a full solipsist. He might not think anyone else actually exists. It's like
2: you might you might be owned with logic, but if you cover Toby Young's eyes with your hands, he'll just be
0: like, "Wow, the world ceased to exist." Yeah, he is. He's, he lacks object permanence. He's just sort of he's he's frantic forward motion. He's an engine powered by resentment. And he just keeps going and going and going because he has to show all the people he hates.
3: He believes that people external to him exist, but only insofar as they restrict his social calendar.
0: (laughs) Uh, Shall we move on to some questions, guys? Yeah, let's do it. Some listener questions. Uh, So the first question is going to be, that we're going to keep this one factual. Uh, What is the origin story of how you guys met? Uh, I'm the last one to join, so I should probably go last. (laughs) So... um. I kind of had the an idea uh, a while ago that I wanted to do a podcast because I was really tired of doing stand-up because the like low-level stand-up in London sucks. Like it sucks to do. Um, because everyone no, not anymore. thanks, thanks,
1: th- thanks to the boys at the Trigonometry Podcast, oh, things oh. have gotten so much better.
0: Um, Lol. and so Milo, I. I knew from comedy and I just messaged him one day and I said, "Uh, how do you feel about doing a podcast? And I had literally nothing better to do, a state of affairs which has not changed. (laughs) So it was you, me, and Charlie Palmer initially, who has come back to guest in the occasional episode. boring one out for our boy. We stand a legend. Uh, Charlie Palmer, of course, has been publicly shamed. He's lost a lot of weight. He's spending time with his family, but he's worried Jeremy Corbyn's going to take his house. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And then, so uh, Milo, why don't you take it from here?
3: Uh, yeah. So then we, we, started, we started recording this podcast. I remember the fateful day back when Riley used to live in that weird American psycho flat with the red felt pool table. <laughs> and, uh me, Riley, and Charlie Palmer got together and recorded episode one of Trash Future, which was about a dripping custard vape juice. <laughs> um, <laughs> an
0: episode we all remember well. <laughs> damn, uh, it was really bad <laughs> back then, but it's really good now. Well, damn. Maybe it's pretty good. Um, damn. Yeah. Things change. Seasons change. And then we got Shit. Hussein to come on as a guest uh, because Charlie was sort of had a, a real job and wasn't able to do it as much. Um, and Hussein, uh, what 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 happened when you came on?
1: I came on as a guest, so I remember I was doing a piece. I had just started working for the magazine. I was doing a piece about midlife crises or quarter life crises, and what happened? No, it was about quarter life crises and what happens when like you end up in like shitty corporate jobs and you're sort of stuck there. And I think you DM'd me <laughs> when, <laughs> when, I, like, when I put a Twitter call out for this and somehow it ended up with do you want to come on the show and like i canceled a couple of times but then we did it and it was really fun and like i think at the time i was also going through a quarter life crisis of sorts where i was like oh there's like so much weird shit that's going on and all i do is like listen to chapter trap house on the sub on the on this on on, the, on uh on the southeastern rail line um so i think that's kind of how i was like oh maybe maybe like we can try build some things in that tradition, but not quite. That's that's the romantic story. I think the real story is that like I was just bored out of my mind, and I really had like, nothing else to do.:
3: Hussain came on as a guest to be like the smart person. And then we broke his brain and he had to stay because nowhere else yeah. would take him.
1: Yeah, I'm supposed to come on as a smart person and then like I and I'm also the one who did do who 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 openly talks about Yu-Gi-Oh! dragon dicks when we actually do have smart people on the show. So um, I don't know what that says about I don't know I don't know what that says about this show and the impacts that it has on people's brains, but maybe Toby Young can investigate it. I don't
0: know. It says a lot about society. Toby Young, racial investigator, <laughs> yes please.
1: Um and this show is about one about thing
0: corrosading badinage. <laughs> and then Nate, the final edition Yeah, so I mean, my
2: story starts a little bit earlier in the sense that um so I graduate, I got out of the army in 2014. I started grad school. I finished grad school Mate, in 2016. You were in the army? What? We I know, right? know that time to fucking banish me. Yeah. So I, I, oh, I moved to New York. I, I was. I was. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm a huge fascist. I'm a proud soldier. Um, I I love proud death. Boy. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I know I never jack I love off. Death. Uh, we all love death <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean well I, so so but I guess the 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 condensed version is um I, I graduated from school and I got offered a, a corporate job, and I thought it was the kind of thing i mean my I, my brother was basically homeless at the time, and so I was trying to like help out and I took this corporate job knowing that I couldn't uh write freelance or publish anything anymore because they were super tight up tight about that and then two months after I started the job, Trump won, and I mean so i I was in America, I was living in New York City fucking it I felt like the apocalypse was upon us and a friend a guy that i just encountered you know periodically on twitter started doing a podcast about like being a leftist in the military and i came on as a guest and then i became the co-host of that show and so i've been doing that since the end of 2016 it's a show called what a hell of a way to die um and obviously like shit's gotten insane in america since then like just weirder dumber things have been happening and when there was that story about strava and the stupid app the the wearable technology thing that like Accidentally disclosed all these locations of secret U.S. bases around the world. You guys asked me to be on the show as a guest, and um, the weird, the reason why I bring up the job was because um, I couldn't. Like I said, it was really like e- even the most benign freelance opportunity I had. I had to get cleared all the way up through like the company's general counsel, so it was like super tight. And um, I was like, you asked if I would be willing to to produce the show, and. I had in the time I had been in this job been asked to do podcasts for them, and I was like, "Well, fuck it, I'll try." Like, I think I know how to do this, and if nothing else, I've just learned through doing. Because the other day I was I was uh, refreshing the storage, and I think I've produced like something like fifty six episodes of this show. And so, <laughs> if there was ever a, a, a crucible experience where you either you either are purified or you're you're burned off in waste and slag, uh, it was this because other podcasts are now really easy to produce because nothing nothing could be the challenge of how to blend insightful commentary, bad audio technology, and Yu-Gi-Oh! Dragon Dick.
4: <laughs>
2: but then oh. also, I quit my job and I moved to London because uh, I wanted to get the fuck out of America, and uh, finally, just decided to do it. And so, I've been here since since August, and now this is like I see you guys more than my own actual family in America, which is <laughs> both 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 good and bad. Um, your wife's boyfriend sees more then- of your family. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Do you think AI technology will ever advance enough for you to interview a virtual Matt Hancock MP?
1: Yes, absolutely. Yes.
2: I definitely think that we'll have the opportunity, whether or not it'll be anything but like a generated conversation from The Sims is that's up to God. But I do definitely think that Matt Hancock MP, the app, will have a thing where you could ask is like like those automated chat support things, but it's just going to be. An avatar of Matt Hancock talking to you.
0: The ultimate Matt Hancock move is going to, when, is going to be when he like voluntarily just like goes to Dignitas to have his, his mind uploaded into a Zune and then live as an AI just sort of in the expanse of the multiverse, happily parkouring over along the information superhighway. He is <laughs> my favorite parliamentarian.
3: Technology will advance to such a point that um, your only access to your GP will be talking uh, to a virtual Matt Hancock MP who's read exactly one medical textbook. And uh, he'll <laughs> reply to you by speech bubbles appearing over his head that have things like a small gift in them, <laughs> like vague, vague symbols <laughs> that don't really relate to what
0: you're asking. Matt Hancock MP is going to replace all of the English language that's the much, much more efficient Simlish, uh, which also the kids love uh right here's then i'm gonna keep rolling through these because we have quite a few um these these are selected if yours didn't come on the show i'm sorry but these are the selected ones we picked Uh, it means it was can you fuck me can you fuck me today sign up and send me message here www.im.welovefuck.com thank you toby young for that question I used to get these emails
2: in my college email like years ago, like 15 years ago when I was in university and it was the same sort of thing, but they had come up with like weird names. So it would, because back in those days, the filters were like primitive. And so basically if the name seemed real, then you could like get it through the filter. And so the names were always like Aloysius Tea Cozy or
0: something like that. And then, but then the text was like, do you want, it's, like, do you want cell phone plan? Fuck me tonight or something like that. Yeah, I love to fuck for phone plan. <laughs> so that one, that one's interesting. Can we, can we fuck this uh, AI today? Maybe it's a primitive Matt Hancock AI. Maybe it's going to be the thing that replaces the, ro- the monarchy. Who can say? Horny Matt Hancock. He becomes a DM. You slide <laughs> straight into him. <laughs> Matt Hancock is a human DM slide. If the apocalypse came tomorrow, but all the TF hosts survived, what skill do you have that you'd think would help you out most? And who would survive the easiest? Uh, I think Hussein would survive the easiest because he has the ability <laughs> to make a,
3: a nutritious soup out of his own piss.
2: <laughs> i was also going to say that i i feel like at this point like that'll when the supreme islamic council of iran
0: takes over hussein will probably be able to curry favor with them better so yeah, yeah. that's true <laughs> i think i think hussein would survive the easiest because um because just ladies seem to love him i i think what would happen is he would he would generate a sort of cult uh, he'd generate a romantic cult around himself he'd become like a david koresh
1: I mean, I'm, I, yeah. I, I'm a very enterprising person. So I would probably try to create like a, a type of lifestyle in which which is which is like a combination of like Instagram motivational quotes, which are really just like loose interpretations of like lines from the Joker um, combined with mm-hmm. uh, combined with a lifestyle of like no peeing in certain months, no, no busting on other months.
0: No, well, um, I realize what you would do. You would create the Wasteland's first lifestyle magazine. That's what you would yes. do. I yes, feel like Hus- Hussein would basically
2: he, he people might want to like you know chop him up and eat him for meat, but he would convince them of a powerful you know post religious lore. Uh, that involves cards uh, that featuring animals that you can collect and use to fight against each other. And so, like, there would there would not be Yu Gi Oh anymore. It would just be religion. It would be reli-
0: Hussein. Yeah. So I think I think we're unanimous. Uh, me and Milo and Nate would all die, and Hussein would become a uh, sort of. Romantic cult leader at the head of a Yu-Gi-Oh church that's also a lifestyle <laughs> magazine. That's pretty obvious <laughs> when you think about it.
1: Uh, and, and and we'll call that church WeWork. <laughs> yeah.
3: Done. I'm I happy think, with I think that Nate question. Nate Would survive too. I think Nate would just go back, go back to his like uh, army background. He'd be like bearded in the forest, like hunting deer with a bow and arrow. And then one day, like the the, the, the troops from the government of Iran will discover him, and they'll be like, "What happened to you?" He'd be like, "I used to do an irony podcast." <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it becomes Jason Statham
3: <laughs> listen mate if I don't podcast in the next 15 minutes my heart's going to literally explode
0: <laughs> what Nate's going to do is he's going to become amazing at uh, going into each of the wastelands communities and detecting who is stealing valor so he's going to like you know it's going to be like witch hunt but he's going to go in and he's going to ask like how many ranger divisions there are Or, like, why are you wearing uh, army boots with a a navy hat or whatever? And then he's just going to do summary executions on people who can't answer it uh, quickly enough.
2: Well, yes, but also what you realize is that I already practice Juche, so I do this on a regular basis. It's just they haven't made it to YouTube yet.
4: Mm.
0: (laughs) Okay, so Milo and I are going to die because we're both deeply impractical people. Uh, Hussein is going to live as a As soon as the the wine and cheese runs out, we're finished. Oh, yeah, we're fucked. Uh, and Nate is then going to be some kind of uh, traveling valor thief detective, valor stealing detective.
2: Yeah, but see, that's the thing is that you guys look at me having been in the military and assume that like I have this like amazing field craft when in truth all when I well, I was thinking about that kind of environment. No, that, that also makes it really, really funny when people just assume that I'm like some kind of square jawed fucking American hero because I was in the army because like you guys know me in real life. Like, I hate that shit. I hate being cold. I literally didn't come to the recording today because I'm like, it's raining.
0: <laughs> damn that's a credo i have adopted from the decision. men and women of the u.s armed services <laughs> uh let's carry on once we arrive in our fully automated luxury gay space communist utopia what will you miss most in the old old world you're allowed to take a juicero with you so it has to be something else uh anyone else for this one i mean i've got i've got um, the answer i'll miss brendan o'neill articles okay i am i my answer no longer makes sense because um, my answer was going to be trick question you don't have to take anything with you because the whole point of fully automated communism is that uh, production doesn't need to happen so realistically we only would need to take stuff that is blatantly unnecessary and couldn't possibly be justified or couldn't possibly be wanted so that's why a juicera would make sense but nope Milo you're right Brendan O'Neill columns there is no way those would be produced in like a Star Trek replicator style economy how, because I mean, how could you?
2: And also, in a Star Trek replicator style economy, you wouldn't need a pocket monster or Pokemon for short. You could just go <laughs> into the holodeck. So, in the grand scheme of things, I would probably just bring my uh, bring my Pokemon cards because you know no one would need those anymore. <laughs> you get laid. It's actually made me realize
3: that no AI would be powerful enough to produce a Brendan O'Neill article. It would melt even the greatest supercomputer.
0: Oh yeah, if you asked, if that's one of the things I've learned from doing this show, right? Is like I I I alluded to this earlier that I love. I, I love the different sort of personalities of all the reactionary columnists that we sort of have, have come to know and love. Um, and Brendan is, Brendan is sort of my favorite and least favorite. Like, I love, I love his opinions because he has just basically decided um, that his whole intellectual life is about like opus day level of self-flagellation by just basically making himself as hateable as possible, Right. Um, And he expects people to hate him because he knows he's saying things that are ridiculous. Whereas like Toby Young thinks that um, everyone else just needs to understand him. Brendan O'Neill thinks he understands better than everyone else. So if you asked a a, a supercomputer to create a Brendan O'Neill column, you would just break the computer because it's so riven with sort of with the contradictions that can only arise when you're a self-regarding madman. Uh, any, anything else? I think I think I'm I'm on board with Milo on this one. I'm taking I'm taking a Brendan O'Neill column. Uh, I don't really have anything. I mean
2: like uh I any response I give would just be way too normy. It would be like what I post on my Instagram instead of what I post on Twitter. But I mean like you would take your live, laugh,
0: love uh words from your wall. Uh, yeah,
2: my my uh my dog bowl that says messy bitch. Yeah. yeah. No, I would
0: uh, <laughs> yeah. take your scarf. You would take your crusted. scarface poster from your dorm room wall
2: exactly actually i didn't have a scarface poster riley i had radiohead posters which is way
0: worse oh god that is worse at least the guy with the star <laughs> scarface poster usually has weed
1: i would i would i would take my business cards um just so people just so people know that even in the world of um luxury space communism um i i am always down to do some business and i'm not free children in a coat
4: <laughs>
3: wait can i change my That's answer t- and
2: say that i would take australia with me
3: <laughs> i'd miss
4: australia <laughs>
2: Well, I mean, yeah, clearly the fully luxury automated gay space communism future is gonna have to find a way to make Australia not racist and that's just which is a good thing, but we are in a way going to it's gonna it's going to get rid of a really good punchline and jokes. Like we're gonna have It'll to work never harder and you comedy.
3: can't make a computer say the n word. <laughs> how would you have a game of slurs?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Look, you can play slurs against yourself, but really it's just like solitaire. Um so I'm going to move on to the next one. Uh, sorry, brief editor's note. This is the one that I have more of a written answer for. Um, so I'm to, I want to go through that. Um, so this is two questions I've sort of packed into one. Uh, one is, what would an ideal and socialist EU that isn't neoliberal trash worker look like? And the second question is, why do you hate the idea of people fighting to remain in the EU so much? So I I think the second the second question was kind of asked uh sarcastically. Um they were saying, Oh, why do you hate finding Remain in the EU? But the problem is, like, right, an ideal and socialist EU is a very, very, very far cry from anything of what it currently looks like. Um, you know, and you know, cards on the table. I voted Remain in the last referendum in the increasingly likely it seems event that there's a second referendum, I probably would do it again. It's not because I have any great love for the EU, but it's because I think that the European Union provides some good cover against the Tories doing hyper-Thatcherism because it prevents them from do, give, having a shock that they can then use to remake Britain even more. Um, but a, a socialist EU, right? I think I said this in the last free episode, right? But institutions aren't just sets of rules. There was manifestations in the real world of actually existing power dynamics. And the EU is just a manifestation of capital's dominance over labor. And it's in the need for medium-sized capitalist countries to club together to then work against the superpowers like China and the US and stuff, right? So one of the four freedoms of the EU, like, yeah, one of them is free movement of people, which is lovely, but the other one is free movement of capital. And it's capital's capacity to come and go as it pleases that forms the core of its disciplinary power. That's how it can punish a society for like, you know, raising its minimum wage, for example. And the thing is, capital can move more freely than labor within the EU, right? Like if I'm, if I'm Greek and I lose my job and all the jobs are in Germany, I'm technically allowed to go to Germany, but there are tons and tons of real life barriers that prevented me from being able to do that. I think it's also fundamentally unjust that I'm not able to sort of continue living my life in Greece. Like, I'm Greek. I want to stay in Greek. My family is here. I speak Greek. Um, And this is about a lot more than state aid rules. Like, it's true, like what what Tom Kabassi said uh, in in the Brexit episode, like, it's possible to create a socialist or at least social democratic state within the European Union if you go gradually sector by sector. But you're always fighting with one hand high behind your back because essentially it fosters capital solidarity at the expense of labor. I don't think this means we should leave the EU, but I think that means we should look at our future with the EU dialectically. Like, the idea that we can just stay in and reform it by asking nicely is nonsense. But also the idea that we should throw away all of the gains that we've found in it uh, by leaving, I think is also nonsense. Both of these are reactionary ideas that deny the sort of course of history. I think it needs to be sort of disobeyed and ultimately kind of destroyed from within. Because dialectics means creating something new out of a thesis and antithesis taking the good elements of one new thing and a lot of the ways bringing them forward. Freedom of movement of people is a fundamentally good thing. We just need to hijack that idea and bring it forward to a place where freedom of movement is maintained as a right for citizens for their own sake, as opposed to something that facilitates the labor market. So it's like human rights in the international sphere, right? They're a liberal construction to provoke intervention abroad. Like Every time they're evoked, we know we're about to go after someone's natural resources. But that doesn't mean they're not a great idea that we can hijack from the regime change industry and try to sort of institute in a more sort of fundamental sense. So what would a socialist EU look like? I think we would do is we would sort of understand the power of a supranational body. And rather than, say, have state aid rules, you could almost flip it and you can say, well, we're going to actually try to create state ownership rules. We're actually going to try to discipline capital. We're going to try to facilitate labor movement, but we're also going to facilitate subsidy. We're going to make sure that there, uh, there is a possibility of, say, a fiscal transfer from Germany to Greece in the event of a labor market shock which right now is literally illegal like it's uh, the, Europe, the European the European um the euro's uh inflation rate is kept at around 2% because of a German dedication uh to uh, to low interest rates because uh, well they're they're sort of they have a certain idea of what fiscal probity means and so realistically i think the, the socialist eu would be the opposite of the eu um but And still actually existing, still within existence in this way. Um, And I mean, how we get there, one thing I've been hearing uh, is remain in revolt rather than remain in reform, which is a point of view that I find very convincing. Um, And the idea is that, let's say Corbyn were elected tomorrow, there are sort of left-wing coalitions that are emerging in response to some of the far-right movements uh, in the the, uh, EU. So notably, uh, Spain has a sort of more left-wing government that these governments could sort of work together in solidarity to essentially just disobey the rules of the EU and reform it not by not through process, not through gradualism, but through a series of shocks from below. Uh, and that's kind of how I think that happens. And people fighting to remain in the EU are kind of just denying that there are these fundamental problems and are just trying to close their eyes really hard and go back to 2013. And I think they need to really understand that, look, I, I always say the thing that characterizes liberals most in the last two years is a complete ideological refusal to take in a new piece of information ever, ever, ever. And a lot of them still haven't, right? They still just want it to be 2007-ish from before the financial crisis happened and back when Cool Britannia was still a thing. Anyway, that's my answer to those two questions.
2: I also would throw something in really quickly, which is that I, I one of the reasons why I'm very skeptical, I understand the arguments behind Lexit, but why I'm very skeptical of it is because it assumes, the hard Lexit position assumes a um, a kind of enlightened observation. And I just feel like nothing about this country makes me think that the kind of shock required for like definancialization of this country would lead to anything but a far right government that's in- even more racist. Like, and and I just feel like, to say to, to to make that argument is 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 to either assume one of two things: that you you don't believe that this country's history will weigh in in any capacity on its future, or that you just feel like you're going to be insulated from it. And both of those are positions that I really just don't want to take.
3: Yeah, I would also add on the subject of reforming the EU. I think that like what Riley said is right, like there are ways you can improve the EU and there are things you can do, albeit they're like radical methods. But a lot of the people who are very fatalistic about like, oh, the EU is just like completely terrible. and There's nothing we can do about it. Ignore the fact that the UK has done nothing but lobby to make the EU as right wing as possible for the last 30 years. And so it's like, well, maybe it wouldn't be quite as right wing if our own, like the idea that the UK is all sweetness and light and like that the EU is like the reason why like the UK is so neoliberal is like nonsense. Yeah. Uh,
0: Hussein, anything before we move on to the next one?
1: Um, I mean, nothing that hasn't already been said, but I would kind of, the question that was given to us is like, why are you kind of so like, are we hostile to people who are like fighting to stay in the EU? And I don't know if that was directed towards, like, Riley or whether it was directed probably, towards yes. all of us. Probably, be, Probably, yeah, let's just let's, <laughs> let's, let's be clear here. But I think it's, like, one thing that I've seen, especially, like, in the aftermath of the referendum, is that, like, there could have been, like, a much better Remain conversation. My big fear about, like, second referendums and, like, people's votes and stuff is that, you know, it, what, what might seem at the moment to be, like, a fairly you know, because the argument right now that the kind of pro-Remain people have is that, you know, the Brexit people won the vote, but they've messed up so much because like all the fundamental questions about like, what do we actually want and what does the deal look like? None of those questions have been answered and people would rather just kind of like live in, those, live in that like two weeks in 2016 when everyone was, well, when believers were like jubilant that we were, you know, that we were exiting the EU. Like they want that moment back rather than thinking about, like, well, what does that actually mean? Whereas the pro Remain campaign um, believe anyway that their position is, okay, well, we'll go back to, we want to go back to how things were. And what my big fear is, is that if the people's vote does happen, not only will you be reliving like what happened in the run-up to the Brexit, in the run-up to like the 2016 campaign, but none of those questions are really answered anyway. Because ultimately, as we've said many times on this show, like what this was, was also like a vote which said that the EU in its current form isn't working and it's not, you know, and and it is extremely problematic. And it's not just problematic because of, you know, you know, but, you know, whatever's like being said on buses and, you know, the issues of free movement and stuff. Like, there is a much more fundamental, like, conversation that we should be having. My thing is that, like, I would be, I would be supportive of a people's vote if, or I, I mean, I am supportive of a people's vote on the basis that, like, we have a much more advanced conversation over, like, if we do decide to stay in the EU, like what is, what should we be doing? Like, what should we do? You know, does it, does that make sense? Cause I feel like, I feel like what's been really good, especially in like the core, like, you know, in, in relation to like the rise of Corbyn and like all this stuff that's happening as like, you know, the, the Trump administration is, you know, not necessarily collapsing, but crumbling a bit is that we are having those important conversations about like equitable societies and like whether, um you know, whether like, you know, distribution, like, Whether we're really achieving equality with our currently mechanisms of distribution, and I feel like we've got a lot of people to, we've got to a stage where a lot of people kind of do understand that there is something, something kind of not particularly good happening. Um, So I think that having a people's vote with that in mind can be really useful, and it can achieve ends which are maybe not socialist, but they are at least like a lot more left than we would have imagined. But, at the moment, it sort of feels as if like the people who are fronting the kind of people's vote, the Adonises and like the andrew uh, what's his name alistair Campbell's and stuff, um, it just sort of feels like we're reliving two thousand sixteen, and this is not going to go the way that lots of these kind of pro pro eu fbP people think it's going to go
0: well actually like we've been in two thousand and sixteen for two years like right we've been, like Britain and America have been living two thousand sixteen because that's the year politics came back and None of those questions have really been finally decided. They're still contested. Like, that's why the 2016 primary is never going away. That's why right. Remain versus Leave versus Lexit, whatever, that's never going away because these questions, and it's not that we can't think of anything else to talk about. It's that these questions have not been settled and they're of extreme importance. So, like, we're going to keep reliving them until basically an, until the political question is decided.
2: But also, something that I'd point out too is uh, I I feel like I'm not opposed to a second referendum. I'm a little bit worried about from people who I know who are not white, who lived in this country during the first referendum and the immediate aftermath who've described like some serious fuckery happening. I'm worried about that. But what I'm also worried about is that I see parallels in the U S with the kind of insane resistance people. And my concern is that, uh, um, the resistance mentality and the FBPE mentality all hinge upon this idea that, uh, someone broke the rules in a way that fundamentally distorted the democratic process, and so nobody on their side did anything wrong. It was all like machinations, either from from people lying or people literally falsifying the vote. But whatever it is, their side, the 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 circumstances were just so unthinkable in which they could be wrong, and as a result, they they plan on refighting the fight and this time winning the fight by doing the exact same thing they did last time. Yeah, and so to it, it, and so to me. Uh, That's my concern. It's not a second. I think a second referendum, I think even on the left, I mean, even in 2017, I think Paul Mason was talking about the idea that you would have a a second referendum that's either um, remain in the EU, take the deal or no deal. Um, And I don't think they're going to do a no deal referendum. I mean, so I mean, that idea has been out there for a while, but I think that the people's vote campaign is also tied in with a significant number of people who, who believe if we could just go back to the opening ceremony of the Olympics in 2012, then everything would be perfect. And that,
0: to me, is a losing proposition. Let's move to a more a more lighthearted one. Uh, which Harry Potter house would you each be in?
1: <sighs> um, okay, okay, okay. I, I, would, be in, I would be I would be I would be in the same Harry Potter house as XXX Tentacion, <laughs> which would be uh, Hufflepuff. Uh, I
0: I would be in um, J.K. Rowling's house once uh, Corbin nationalizes it and gives it over to podcasters.
2: I've only ever seen one Harry Potter movie, so I'm in the one wherever the, the goofy kid who falls on his ass a bunch on the on the broom, whoever that, oh, that's his, Toby, his house.
0: It's Toby Young's house.
2: Oh shit. Well then I'm 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 forcing Toby Young to sell his goddamn house in really, really far west London and I'm taking it. <laughs> Milo? Uh I'd be, I'd be in Slytherin
3: because I'm the one on the podcast that everyone loves to hate. I'm a messy bitch who loves drama. I'm doing huge, huge lines of coke off the back of Crab and Goyle and generally shouting about burning the whole place down.
0: Hell yeah. That's your answer. Um, two real-life houses. Um, uh, <laughs> one Harry Potter house and whatever it is Hussein said. Um, he said a Harry Potter house. Next, yeah, next question. Uh, oh, what, quick thing about Harry Potter. Is it... It's 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 a, it's very odd is it seems to be a society in which no production needs to take place But there are still like rich and poor people for some reason There's still like money just,
2: what what I fucking love about you Riley Is it seriously like let's get through these next three questions really quickly so we're good on time it's like, Oh, by the way, what would Althusser say about fucking Harry Potter? Uh, you know what what I was reading what I was reading Roland Bart, He said wow uh, This mystical wizard society doesn't seem to have any working-class people
0: well yeah, but but it does. Like it's <laughs> an that's, economic think that's why liberals analysis of Harry Potter. I think that's why liberals love it, because it's a society where no production has to take place and classes are just determined by like, you know, um, how you drink your tea. You know, it's it's a it's it's you don't have to organize, you don't have to do anything to have an effect in the world. You can just study really hard and then there are still classes for some reason.
1: I mean I mean to be fair, like it's you know, the same it's the same proposition in like the crank the crank movies. So mm-hmm. I mean, the crank movies are actually
0: set in the Harry Potter universe. I'm going to change my answer. I'm going to be in the house from the first crank that Jason Statham destroys. Listen, listen, mate.
3: If I don't get Wingardium leviosa in the next 15 minutes, my heart is going to literally stop.
0: <laughs> uh, so I think that's, that is why, but that is if why I don't eat liberal, a chocolate frog in the next half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> that's why liberals love Harry Potter. It's a book about getting superpowers from doing homework. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <for fuck's> sake. <laughs> fucking shit god damn it it's true where's the lie why okay. do you think superman uh, wears those glasses for all the homework? next question <sighs> where did riley's horny curious cat go any any of you guys want to take this one uh, R. I mean, did, we tell you,
1: did, did we tell you did we tell you to shut it down for legal
0: reasons <laughs> no i i shut it down myself uh, because I've, I found having a Curious Cat distracting. I didn't like it. Uh, and also, I was tired of what I'm pretty sure we're like... I was, tire, I was tired of what I'm pretty sure is the same four guys uh, asking if I was interested in letting them pay me uh, to suck my dick. I was like, you know what? <laughs> you know what? I don't need this in 2018. I'm going into 2018. Uh, clear eyes, full heart, no Curious Cat. I told heart, you no last week, cat. yes. Dry dick. <laughs> I told you last week I'm not allowed to make money. Riley's a Platonist, and so what happened is he
2: busted the one true nut, and he never has to have sex ever again. And so uh, he just he-, he nutted
0: so hard that that nut went straight out of the cave. You know what it is? I'm I'm horny for questions in the trash future curious cat. Yeah, I'm 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 horny for questions in the trash future curious cat. I'm I'm horny for those now. If you're if if you are one of those people that was horny posting in my curious cat, just put questions in this one. But, like, you know, thoughtful ones we can answer. Uh, okay. Mm, we have... Well, well, I'm going t- to do two questions. We can pick the one we answer for the last one. Question one.
1: Okay. Is there an
0: ethical way to become a millionaire? Question two. In the coming Trash Future dictatorship, what will the anime stroke classic Simpsons ratio be for state TV? Uh, the millionaire one?
3: <laughs>
1: okay. Because obviously podcasting. saying? <laughs> Um, I'm going to go with the second one, and the second one is going to be that it'll be it'll be a 60-40 ratio between animes and sim- classic Simpsons episodes. Um, but the animes are going to be based largely on um, like normie shit. So no, it'll be like anti normie shit. So it'll be like really obs- really obscure anime uh, that was like developed in like the nineties and early two thousands. Um, without fandoms and without like any of the whole like Tumblr communities around it, um, so it'll just be like re- so, so it would just be like really weird, obscure stuff that's like largely been influenced by like Soviet cartoons.
0: See, I'm going to go slightly the other direction. Uh, I'm going to say that actually, what we have is we have anime reimaginings of '90s shows. So like a version of <laughs> Friends uh, where when Chandler and Monica are about to have sex, Chandler has to power up for several minutes. Um, <laughs> or where or where where Ross just constantly has a uh, shocked chibi face on that's what i'm interested in <laughs> i'm in, i'm interested in an anime an anime version of friends in the <laughs> in the definancialized future there will only be two
3: kinds of cartoon show anime and freddie mac thank you
0: <laughs> interestingly actually uh how you be- become a millionaire ethically is by making an anime friends. See, that's dialectics. That's synthesis, antithesis, uh, <laughs> sorry, thesis, antithesis, synthesis. Guys, that's Hegelianism. Oh. You, if you read Hegel, you may, maybe you'd understand. So my argument is, uh, can you be an
2: ethical millionaire? Well, um, actually, yes. Uh, and if you let me explain to you how to buy Iraqi dinars and then trade them back into U.S. dollars, uh, I can help you become an ethical millionaire. But, I, but actually, in, in in truth, I feel like um, I, I'm I'm agnostic. I just feel like uh, what I'm not agnostic on is there's no such thing as an ethical billionaire, and also tax passive income at like 99. percent um, And I feel like that's 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 my my Hegelian dialectic for the evening. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, that's, that's where I'm coming down. I think we, we've answered both of those uh, questions sufficiently and sufficiently Hegelianly. Uh, so I think that's also all the time we have for today. Um, so thank you again to our Patreon subscribers for sitting through yet another hour of our nonsense. Um, and also, don't forget uh, to commodify your descent with a t-shirt from Little Comrade. Uh, perhaps you can get one of my horny curious cat posts on it. Please don't do that to Edie. Uh, And finally, you can listen to our theme song on Spotify. It's by Ginseng. It's called Here We Go. And uh, it's very good. Listen to it early. Listen to it often. Gentlemen, thank you very much for joining me on this Skype call today. And also TF merch. Don't forget the TF merch. Oh, yes. Yeah,
1: buy buy the expensive
0: soup mug. (laughs) It's so expensive. (laughs) Spend your goddamn money. Don't talk the soup mug down, Riley. It's important that (laughs) people buy it. No, that's a no. Yes, that's the only ethical way it's to become a millionaire. If you're doing it to buy the ridiculously overpriced mugs that we seem to be selling for some reason,
3: the incredibly reasonably priced and actually very good quality mugs that are available from all reputable trashy online stores.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. All right. I'm going to say goodnight, everybody. Goodnight, everybody.